0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Charts with Dan. We've got a busy show today talking about the last week of Black Adam's dominance at the box office, the expectations what we might be seeing with the opening of Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which opens this weekend, and so much more. Before we get into that, I want to thank my partner here on the show, as always, Carbon Health. We are right in the middle of cold and flu season, and it is a pretty nasty one. Luckily, at any Carbon Health location, you can get your flu shot and other immunizations. All you have to do is download the Carbon Health app to see if there is a location near you. And even if there's not, you can do things like a virtual appointment or they keep a certain number of walk-in appointments open every single day because they understand that you can't always schedule your healthcare. You can check out more by downloading the Carbon Health app right now. And I wanna thank them as always for being my partner here on the show. Very happy to be associated with them. We're actually working on a couple of fun things that we're gonna do toward the end of the year, but we're not ready to talk about that just now. What I am ready to talk about is the box office for this past weekend. We are about to transition from Black Adam to Black Panther, but it is still the DC Heroes time on top. In its third week, Black Adam took a drop of just 33.5%. We'll see how that stacks up against other films in the DC universe for a total of $18.2 million. In second place was another strong opening for an anime film, which is getting more and more penetration into the mainstream market. One Piece film Red was in second place with $9.3 million. Take it to Paradise, continuing to hold as an older skewing title generally does very well in its third week, just a 13.2% drop for an $8.5 million total, I think I had the wrong total listed for this movie last week, so I'm trying to make sure to cut down on those mistakes, one day I'll make a perfect episode of Charts probably isn't going to be today, but it'll happen one day. In fourth place is Smile, still holding strong in week six with just a 26.6% drop off. It is very close to breaking the $100 million domestic market. Went past that mark worldwide quite some time ago. At number five, holding fairly well for a horror film, maybe owing to the fact that it didn't have a huge opening weekend last week, is Pray for the Devil with a 45.8% drop in week two for a $3.8 million week two total. So Let's talk about, first of all, Black Adam and how it held up in its third weekend. And by DC Universe standards, it actually tied for the second best hold of any DC film in its third weekend. You see here that Wonder Woman had the best third weekend hold, dropping just 29% and then Shazam and Black Adam, perhaps it's fitting that these two movies are together, both holding at 33% in weekend number 3. Aquaman dropped 41%, Wonder Woman 1984 dropped 45%, Man of Steel dropped 50%, Suicide Squad 52, Batman v Superman dropped 54% as did The Suicide Squad. Justice League dropped 59%, and then the worst drop for any DC Universe film in its third weekend was Birds of Prey. So let's look at how Black Adam is doing compared to the other films, I guess in what we're calling the DCU, the DC Universe now, and you can see in the middle of this graph, basically, uh, up at the top we have six lines, those are the higher performing DCU films, and then we have Black Adam kind of leading this lower group of movies. And the good news for Black Adam is that even though it's not in that first tier of DCU, DC films, it is continuing to track ahead of Shazam. The bad news for Black Adam is that Shazam cost about half as much as it did, and the only other movies that are underneath Black Adam on this list, Birds of Prey, Wonder Woman 1984, and The Suicide Squad, were all movies that were affected by the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020, and then going into 2021 when Warner Brothers decided to do their big HBO Max day and date experiment. So really the only movie you can make a comparison to is Shazam, which as I noted, cost much less than Black Adam. So over time, and it's not quite reaching the height of the highest excelling DC films, despite having that price tag. And that's one thing that I talked about this movie. Yes, I do think that the movie had an opening that defied in many ways the very negative reviews for this film. But this was always the long term thing with Black Adam and the thing that I said I was going to keep tracking on the show. How does it do over time? Because this is a movie that cost according to some reports, $200 million. That's a higher hurdle to clear for you at the box office, both domestic and worldwide. And the big question with this movie is Black Panther Wakanda Forever, because it is going to be coming in and sucking a lot of oxygen out of the room. Black Adam had these three weeks to do what it could. It's over $325 million worldwide. It's heading toward $400 million. But strangely, that's probably not quite enough to get it profitable in the theatrical window. And the other thing to think about with movies now, especially if you are somebody like Warner Brothers Discovery, which has its own streaming service, is that you don't necessarily get those same licensing fees, which are very lucrative for your films, if they're licensing Black Adam to their own streaming service they may window it out to a different streaming service. I don't really know what the deals are on Black Adam, but there are a lot of concerns about getting that theatrical gross up for movies that don't get as much in licensing because that's one revenue stream that's now off the table. And I still do think that for a movie starring Dwayne Johnson, it was his best opening ever for one where he was the main lead of that film. I still think it opened well, but the question now is gonna be, does Black Adam have this gas in the tank maybe to make some money over the Thanksgiving holiday. We see a longer tail on a lot of movies with the new kind of way that the box office has adjusted itself as we're coming out of the pandemic and kind of readjusting the entire market. That's a big hope for Black Adam is that it can still be putting up some solid numbers in a similar way to what we saw with DC League of Super Pets, where it didn't look like it was doing that well out of the gate and then was able to stick around for long enough to do all right. Let's see how this does with Black Adam. I mentioned also that One Piece Film Red was the number two opening film domestically this weekend. Let's look at how anime films have done in their opening weekends this year. We had Dragon Ball Super Superhero, which was the highest grossing domestic anime opening for 2022 with $21.1 million. At number two, as far as its opening weekend, was Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, the movie, although it had a higher final domestic gross with $18 million. One Piece Film Red comes in third place with $9.3 million. Bell, which opened here domestically, early this year, early in 2022, is at number four with $1.5 million, and then a, a very sizable drop-off, UO with a $191,000 opening weekend. So we are not seeing a large number of anime films that are going into wide release here, but we are seeing the ones that do get wide releases, doing well in their opening weekends and this has just been a really interesting thing for me to watch. We've gone from one every once in a while to one a year to one or two a year and now we're at two or three or four a year and I love that we are seeing this sort of, not new, but this sort of animation that maybe didn't have a a huge foothold domestically start to gain traction here. Let's look at numbers six through 10. Lyle Lyle Crocodile actually had an increase in business over last week, a 22.9% increase in week five for a $3.3 million total. Expanding into wider release, although not quite wide release, was the Banshees of Inisharan. in its third week. It had a 284.3% increase in business for a total of just over $2 million. Till in its fourth week continued to expand wider, but had a 32.5% drop for a $1.8 million total. Halloween ends in its fourth week, still sticking around the top 10, a 64.5% drop, but a $1.4 million total. And then after many weeks of increasing week to week, Terrifier 2 taking a 40.7% drop in its fifth week of release, with a total still over $1 million, $1,130,675 to be exact. Dropping out of the top 10 this week, after seven weeks, The Woman King ends its run as a top 10 movie domestically. And after just one week, where it expanded into many, many more theaters nationwide, Tar also drops out of the top 10. Looking at what we call the road to recovery, how the box office has been looking this year compared to last year, compared to the average weekends from before the pandemic. Once again, we are behind not only the average from 2015 to 2019, but the average box office for last year at this time, as we have been for most of the late summer and fall season. We should see, if we don't, we're gonna have some real problems, but we should see a big spike In this number next weekend, as Black Panther Wakanda Forever is looking to amass a very large opening weekend gross. We're going to take a closer look at that in a few minutes. Uh, But the story really has been the fact, if you look at the green line, which is this year, we had a strong beginning of the year. The summer season, or at least the earlier part of the summer season, and many times was was well above last year, well above and sometimes the average from 2015 to 2019, and then it seems like the studios just ran out of gas. Was that lack of product because there were so many delays? Was it just not quite knowing how to schedule these movies because of the backup caused by the pandemic through 2020 and 2021? We don't really quite know, but this is something I'm gonna be tracking going into next year. I'll probably combine 2020. 2020- 21 and 2022 and we'll see how the 2023 box office does because after a while if these numbers don't look any different then it's just going to become the new normal but we should see a big surge next week as we did last year for spider-man no way home you see that big orange spike at the end of the 2021 graph there we should see something similar next week for black panther wakanda forever Looking at the domestic fall holiday box office, so this is going to be everything from post-Labor Day to the end of the year. Black Adam is at number one. It's now crossed $137 million domestically. Smile, as I mentioned, less than a million dollars away from becoming the second $100 million grossing film of the fall holiday box office season. The Woman King is at number three. Halloween Ends right behind at number four, about a million and a half dollars behind The Woman King. Ticket to Paradise jumps up two spots to number five with a million dollar total. Don't Worry Darling drops one spot to number six. Barbarian drops one spot to number seven. Lyle Lyle Crocodiles at number eight, followed by the re-release of Avatar, and then Amsterdam hanging on to that spot for one last week before it gets knocked out by Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Let's look now at the chart giving us the per theater averages in the top five films and their grosses per theater. And this is usually a non-controversial chart, but we have a little bit of a dispute here because I have a couple or a few different sources that I look at when I'm checking to see which movie had the best per theater average and there are differing accounts on how the film Utama did. Utama is a movie that I was actually a big fan of coming out of the Sundance Film Festival. It's a film out of Bolivia. It's about an elderly family of llama farmers who are in an extended drought. For me, it was a great way of how film can take you to somebody whose experience 99.9% of us will never live in and make it so human and so relatable. So I I really loved this movie. One of my sources said that it made $21,660 in one theater. Another one said that it made just over $4,500 in one theater, but had the same final total and it opened this weekend. So I put an asterisk there because I have not yet confirmed whether Utama had the highest per theater average or the fifth highest per theater average of the weekend, but it's definitely on the list. Regardless, right behind Utama is the documentary Meet Me in the Bathroom, which grossed $21,580 per theater in four different theaters. We are at a point, bizarrely, where the early 21st century music scene is getting its own retrospective documentary, and Meet Me in the Bathroom is about bands like The Strokes and Interpol and LCD Sound System as they rose to prominence in the early 2000s in New York City. I believe it is getting a nationwide engagement, or at least a wider engagement, At many theaters around the country tonight as you are watching this show Tuesday night. So if that sounds like something that's interesting to you, check your local listings because it may be a one night only event that you can actually see tonight. At number three and it keeps popping up is RRR because it has been going through this series of uh, revival screenings and award season screenings. It played in one theater this weekend and did $10,920. So uh, still selling out individual theaters around the country despite coming out many months ago. At number four is Holy Spider, a film we talked about last week with $4,819 in four theaters. And then at number five, again, is Black Adam. For wide release, it's been able to fairly consistently stay on this chart, bringing in $4,585 per theater in 3,985 theaters, Black Adam losing theaters for the first time in its run in week three. These were the top five films in limited release this past weekend, so movies playing in 1,000 theaters or fewer. The Banshees of Inisherin has not quite broached that 1,000 theater barrier. It was playing in 895 theaters, so its $2 million gross tops this chart. Triangle of Sadness, losing a few theaters, it's playing in 487 theaters in its fifth week, but good enough for number two with $425,000. Park Chan-wook's decision to leave, still uh, wending its way through a certain number of theaters in limited release, 169 theaters in week four, for a $252,000 total. After Sun also rolling out very gradually, playing in 45 theaters in its third week with a $126,000 total, and then at number five is Meet Me in the Bathroom. Its four theater run with that 20-plus thousand dollar per theater average was good enough for $86,071 total and number five on the limited release chart for the past weekend. There is no change in the top 10 grocers for films playing in limited release in 2022. Brahmastra part one, Shiva is number one. BTS permission to dance, number two. KGF chapter two, number three. Marcel the shell with shoes on is at number four. The portion of Terrifier 2's gross that it made when it was in limited release Just over $5.8 million is at number five. Orphan First Kill is at number six. Pony and Selvin Part One is at number seven, followed by Moon Age Daydream, Cyrano, and Lal Singh Chida. There are a few different movies, though, including The Banshees of Inisharan, that are making a play for that number 10 spot on the chart. So we'll have to see what expands this weekend, how far they expand, and what that gross ends up being. Before we move on, I want to thank the sponsor for today's video, Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, and now for the plot twist. No, there's not one. Seriously. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. That's it. No hidden contracts or surprise fees when you get your bill. No deals that sign you up for a streaming service on a trial basis that you probably already have or don't care about, and then end up paying for despite the fact that you don't care about who has exclusive rights to Harry and the Hendersons. Just me? There is none of that, and I've been through those contract talks, those endless waits in the wireless store when you're trying to get a straight answer about what it is you're signing up for and how much it's gonna cost, then a month later you figure out that all of it was wrong. You don't get any of that, because with Mint Mobile, it is crystal clear. For anyone who hates their phone bill, and that's everybody, right? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. They also give you the best rate whether you're buying for one or a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can also use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. You, yes you, can get premium wireless service from just 15 bucks a month with no unexpected plot twists at mintmobile.com slash merle. That's mintmobile.com slash Merle, M-U-R-R-E-L-L. Seriously, this will make your wallet very happy at mintmobile.com slash Let's look now outside the domestic market, the U.S. and Canada, to see how films did in the other parts of the world. Black Adam's still number one internationally with $25,400,000, followed by One Piece Film Red with $6,558,000, Lyle Lyle Crocodiles at number three at 6000000 dollars followed by Smile at number four with $5.1 million, and Homecoming at number five with $3.8 million. So when you take those international grosses, you combine them with the domestic grosses, we get the the top five films worldwide this past weekend, and Black Adam spends one more weekend on top of the worldwide box office as well, a $43.6 million total in its third weekend. One Piece Film Red is at number two with $15.8 million. Ticket to Paradise is still a strong worldwide play with $11.3 million total. Lyle Lyle Crocodile is at four with $9.3 million and Smile at number five with just over $9 million. One change on the 2022 domestic box office the top nine remain the same Top Gun: Maverick, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Jurassic World Dominion, The Batman, Minions: The Rise of Gru, which is getting even closer, ever closer to that final gross for The Batman. We'll see if it's able to take that number four spot. Thor: Love and Thunder at six, followed by Sonic the Hedgehog, Elvis, and Uncharted. But Nope is supplanted by Black Adam. Black Adam now the tenth highest-grossing film of the year. We'll see if it does well enough to take that number nine spot from Uncharted, because I feel fairly certain that Black Panther will. Come forever is very likely to do enough business to enter this chart on its first weekend of release so black adam would need to do about another 11 million dollars in the next week or so to stay on the chart next week i think that that's definitely doable looking at the top 10 worldwide again no changes top gun maverick at number one followed by jurassic world dominion doctor strange in the multiverse of madness minions the rise of grew at four followed by the batman at number five Thor 11 Thunder at 6, followed by the battle at Lake Changjin 2, Moon Man, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, and Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Black Adam currently about $75 million away uh, worldwide from replacing Sonic the Hedgehog 2 as the 10th highest grossing film of the year around the world. But let's talk about a movie that is definitely going to be making a play for that list uh, domestically, worldwide, you name it, which is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. The, well, it would have been much anticipated regardless. Of course, A Shadow of Tragedy also on the film following Chadwick Boseman's death far too soon uh, back in 2020. I think there's a lot of curiosity about how the film is going to handle his passing. We also have very anticipated things like the debut of Namor, who's a very popular Marvel character. So there's a lot of hype, Lot of anticipation about Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And let's talk a little bit about what I think it may do this upcoming weekend and what it needs to do to land on the top five of some of these lists. So let's look first of all at the highest MCU opening weekends domestically. You see that the first Black Panther film holds down the number five spot with a gross of just over 202 million dollars. So if Black Panther Wakanda Forever wants to join this list, it would have to do over 202 million dollars. The original Original Avengers film is at number four, followed by Avengers Infinity War at number three, Spider-Man No Way Home at number two, and Avengers Endgame at number one. The all-time MCU openings list may be tough for Black Panther Wakanda Forever to jump into, but this is a chart I think it should very easily find a place in. The highest ever openings for November, the month of November, domestically. Right now, Frozen 2 holds the number five spot with $130.2 million. So if Wakanda Forever does better than that, it will be added to this chart. And then, I've said this before, the remarkably consistent Twilight franchise. Breaking Dawn Part 1 with $138.1 million dollars. Breaking Dawn Part 2 with $141 million and New Moon with $142.8 million. And topping them all right now, currently the highest ever opening weekend in November, The Hunger Games Catching Fire, which opened to $158 million. And without giving away the exact figure, I will tell you that my personal prediction for Black Panther would have it becoming the highest ever opening in November at the domestic box office. Finally, let's see what Black Panther Wakanda Forever would have to do to become one of the highest three-day opening weekends of the year. Currently Top Gun Maverick, even though it is by far the highest grossing movie of the year, only has the fifth highest opening with $126.7 million. It was part of a three-day holiday weekend. So I think it's very likely that it's going to get bumped off this list by Black Panther. The Batman is in fourth place with $134 million, followed by Thor Love and Thunder in third with $144.1 million. Jurassic World Dominion in second place with $145 million, and then still the champ, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness way back in the first weekend of May with 187.4 million. So here's the $64,000 question, although it's quite a bit more muddy than that, which is how will Black Panther Wakanda Forever do? Well, first of all, it's currently being tracked at $175 to $200 million. That's the result of market research that people have done. They say this is the range where it's likely to open. Although, as I've said many times on this show, you cannot track enthusiasm and tracking numbers are often wrong. Sometimes they are wrong on the high side, sometimes they're wrong on the low side. But I think that Black Panther has the potential to to significantly exceed that $175 to $200 million total. So I looked at a couple of different models. One of them was what I call the Hunger Games model, which is you have a hit first film, and then the second film, you have a little bit more public interest, so you have a slight increase in business on film number two. The other model that I used was something that I called the Force Awakens model, which is you have a phenomenal hit the first time with a movie, really taps into something culturally, and then the second movie is still a massive success, but you take a drop of about 11% on your opening weekend. So let's see what the opening of Black Panther Wakanda Forever looks like according to both those models. As I mentioned, tracking reported at 175 to $200 million. With the Hunger Games model, Wakanda Forever would open slightly above the original with $210 million in its opening weekend. If you're using the Force Awakens model, then Wakanda Forever would be making about $179.7 million in its opening weekend. I don't usually do specific box office predictions because they're very often wrong, because it, it really is just a shot in the dark. But perhaps I'm emboldened by my perfect 10 out of 10 summer box office season. I am going to make a prediction on Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I have very little confidence in it. This is really just my best guess. I'm predicting an opening of $190 million, which would be about a 5.9% drop from the original Black Panther opening, so a little bit less than the drop we saw from The Force Awakens to The Last Jedi. That would make it the best opening weekend of 2022, the best November opening of all time, the sixth best MCU opening, and the number 11 domestic opening of all time. If you were to tell me that it came in and grossed $230 million, I wouldn't be shocked. If you were to come in and say it made $170 million, I also wouldn't be shocked. I really do think that at the end of the day, this is all guessing. We can make our best predictions, but that's my prediction. Throwing my hat in the ring, I'm going to predict $190 million opening weekend, and we will see what happens from here. So this is the part in the show where we take a look back at a weekend from Box Office Pass, but also the part where I've recently been taking a moment to remember some people, prominent figures in the entertainment industry, that I wanted to acknowledge their legacy as they have sadly passed away. Last week, I took this opportunity to talk about uh, our cat, Muffin, who passed away recently. And thank you to everybody who sent out uh, so many wonderful wishes of support. We just wanted to use what happened to spread the word about things like the Humane Society and places where... You can go for assistance and where there are so many wonderful animals that need homes, Uh, but a great outpouring of uh, love and support from so many of you last week. But there were also some names that I didn't mention last week for that reason, so I wanted to remember a few people uh, who have passed away in the last couple of weeks. One of them is Leslie Jordan, who was maybe not a familiar name, but a familiar face. He had hundreds of credits in projects as diverse as Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, Will and Grace, a series of very popular YouTube videos that he was doing during the pandemic that really kind of raised his profile and introduced him to a new audience. Julie Powell, who wrote the book on which Julie and Julia was based, passed away after illness. Julie and Julia, an acclaimed film, uh, led Meryl Streep to one of her many Academy Award nominations and something that sort of helped to launch a lot of the early internet food blogging. Just a couple of days ago, word came out about Aaron Carter, who followed his brother Nick Carter of the Backstreet Boys to pop fame. I was a little bit ahead of Aaron Carter as far as my age group, but I do remember that he was very popular, uh, you know, for people five to ten years younger than me. And very sad to see that, you know, it can just be such a difficult thing to navigate and to reconcile uh, at such a young age. And then maybe the name that you might recognize the least, which is Jules Bass who, along with his partner, Arthur Rankin, founded a company called Rankin Bass, which produced some of the most popular, particularly holiday specials of all time, along with what some people still consider to be the definitive version of The Hobbit. If you have turned on your television for the past 50-plus years, anytime around the Christmas season, you've probably seen a Rankin and Bass special. Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, probably the most popular and famous one. The animated Frosty the Snowman. Santa Claus is coming to town so many landmark animated projects that Rankin Bass was involved with. They really had a brand all their own, and it just goes to show how there can be a name that you may not know. Uh, Jules Bass hasn't really been that active uh, for a couple of decades, and yet the work that his company did and that he had you know, direct creative involvement in still is enjoyed by people generations after when it was made. So to all of those people who made contributions across so many different types of the entertainment world and in so many different ways, of course, a tribute to them and a thanks for the contributions, which will live on past the time when they have sadly been lost. Let's look now at that weekend from box office past, and we're going back 10 years, and this was hard for me to believe that these movies came out 10 years ago, the 44th weekend of the year back in 2012. It was November 2nd through the 4th, and the number one movie was Wreck-It Ralph, which opened to $49 million. That's right, Wreck-It Ralph came out 10 years ago. A strong number two was Flight, starring Denzel Washington. He would go on to earn an Academy Award nomination for this movie. In its fourth weekend, the eventual Best Picture winner for 2012, Argo, dropping just 15.5% with a $10.2 million total. Debuting at number four, this is a very 2010s project. The Man with the Iron Fists, which was directed by The RZA, co-written by The RZA and Eli Roth, and with a Quentin Tarantino Presents tag attached to it. $7.9 million, good enough for fourth place. And in fifth place in its fifth week of release, was Taken 2, starring Liam Neeson, who was dealing with all of the complications that come with being taken and things that are taken so much to go through 23.3% drop in week five for a 5.9 million dollar total of course something we've been adding in these last few weeks is the inflation button to see what these numbers would translate to today and when we hit that button we see that wreck it ralph would have opened to a 63.3 million dollar opening weekend flight 32.1 million argo 13.1 million in its fourth week the man with the iron fist would have debuted at 10.2 million and taken two in its fifth week 7.6 million Let's look now at what people are watching through various streaming services, and we will start, as we always do, with what people are buying and renting at the iTunes store. Top Gun Maverick makes it back to the top of the chart, available for purchase and rental. Bullet Train at number two. Nope at number three. Beast comes back on the chart, available for purchase and now rental at number four. Where the Crawdads Sing is at number five. Don't Worry Darling still available for purchase and premium video on demand at number six. Now also available to stream on HBO Max. We We may see that pop up on the streaming charts next week. See How They Run is at number seven, available for purchase and rental, followed by Gone in the Night, which has been available for 99 cent rental for the past few days. Oftentimes, that's why we see a movie on the top 10 chart. Fall is at number nine, and then Jurassic World Dominion comes back onto the chart at number 10. Let's look now at the most watched programs on Netflix, and I use something here called my Global Merle Metric. I generate something I call the PFV number, which is the potential finished views, the number of Netflix users that could potentially have finished watching the movie or series that I'm looking at. Basically, you take the total runtime of the program, divide it by the number of hours watched, and that gives you that number. It just kind of helps put things in context a little bit. At number one is The Good Nurse, a Netflix original movie starring Eddie Redmayne and Jessica Chastain. With six 68.3 million hours watched and a PFV of 33.3. That's a strong debut. The School for Good and Evil, the Netflix original movie, drops to number two with a PFV of 16.9. The German remake or an adaptation, I guess it wouldn't quite be a direct remake, of All Quiet on the Western Front debuts on the chart at number three with a PFV of 12.8. The Watcher season one, which I believe was just renewed for a second season, is at number four with a 12.1 PFV, followed by Zoe Saldana's From Scratch with a PFE of 10.2, a big jump from last week. The Chalk Line, which is a horror film from Spain, is at number six with a PFE of 9.8. This chart runs from October 24th to October 30th, so it's not surprising to see uh, a few horror films on this list. 20th Century Girl, which is a romance from South Korea, is at number 7 with a PFV of 7.9. Hellhole, which is a Polish horror film, is at number 8 with a PFV of 7. The Netflix original series Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities debuts at number 9 on this list with a PFV of 6.8. And then at number 10 is Love is Blind Season 3, which is a horror show uh, of a different type, with a PFV of 6.1. Let's look now at the streaming charts that are generated by Nielsen. Now, these are not perfect charts. They do not include all streaming services. They're also delayed by about a month. So this runs from October 3rd to October 9th. This is in the U.S. only, and it does not measure all devices, but it just kind of helps us to see how these different movies and series across some streaming services are doing compared to each other. Looking at the top 10 most-watched streaming movies from October 3rd to October 9th, Hocus Pocus 2 stays on top after a big debut last week with 18.3 million hours watched on Disney+. Last Seen Alive debuts on the chart at number 2 with 12.4 million hours watched followed by Luckiest Girl Alive at 10.7 million hours and Mr. Harrigan's Phone at 9.5 million hours, so a trio of Netflix films there. The original Hocus Pocus falls down to number 5 with 5.9 million hours watched followed by Netflix's Inheritance at number 6. Rush Hour, which is one of the rare movies I think due to some kind of a licensing issue, available on both netflix and hbo max has 4.4 million hours watched, good enough for number seven 2022's hellraiser debuts at number eight on hulu with an hours watched of 4.1 million followed by jexy on netflix a movie that i saw and thoroughly did not enjoy 3.8 million hours watched, and Blonde on Netflix, the controversial film falling to number 10 with 3.7 million hours watched. These are the 10 most watched streaming shows by total hours viewed in the United States. At number one is Dahmer Monster, which holds a dominating number one lead with 39 million hours watched. Lord of the the Rings of Power remains at number two with 16.4 million hours watched. Behind that is House of the Dragon with 15.3 million hours watched. Remember, these are delayed by about a month, so both of these shows were still producing new episodes. Also, a caveat, as I keep adding... The cable numbers for House of the Dragon are not included here, just streaming on HBO Max. So there is viewership that is not included in this number. Coco Melon on Netflix is at number four, followed by NCIS on Netflix at number five. This is actually the exact same top five that we had last week. Gilmore Girls re-enters the chart on Netflix at number six with 11.7 million hours watched, followed by In the Dark at number seven. The Blacklist, which I believe debuted a new season on Netflix, is at number eight with 9.9 million, followed by Game of Thrones on HBO Max, at number nine and Cobra Kai on Netflix at number 10. However, something that I have been doing is adjusting those numbers a little bit to give you watch time per episode. So it's not just the total hours viewed, it's how much watch time did each episode average. And yes, this does tend to favor some shows that have fewer episodes, but you also kind of put into perspective shows like NCIS, which have hundreds of episodes versus something like House of the Dragon, which has less than a dozen. So these were the 10 most watched shows when you look at hours watched per episode. And again, Dahmer Monster with its full season of 10 episodes easily dominating this chart as well with 3.9 million hours watched per episode. Conversations with the Killer, the Jeffrey Dahmer Tapes, which is a three-episode series that was also on Netflix, generating a lot of interest because it's number two with an hours watch per episode of 2.9 million. So Jeffrey Dahmer interest really dominating the top chart as far as hours watch per episode. Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power with seven available episodes, generated 2.35 million watch time hours per episode, followed by House of the Dragon with eight episodes, and an hour's watch per episode of 1.92. The full six-episode run of The Empress is at number five, with 1.45 million. Andor, which had five available episodes on this chart, At number six, with 1.19 million hours watched per episode, followed by She Hulk Attorney at Law, with its eight episodes. Next week will be the first time we have a full complement of season one for that show. 945,833 hours watched per episode. Cocoa Melons at number eight, with 715,000 hours watched per episode. The Midnight Club at number nine, with 666,000 hours watched per episode. That seems appropriate. And at number ten is In the Dark, which has 51 episodes, the largest number of episodes for any show on this chart and 197,000 hours watched per episode. And that pretty much wraps it up for charts this week. Opening in theaters coming up this weekend, we all know what pretty much the only wide release is, and that is Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which looks to be one of the biggest weekends of the year, box office-wise. Opening in limited release is Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds Spirited, a Christmas movie that will actually be hitting Apple TV Plus very shortly. We're seeing this a lot with these streaming movies. They get a limited theatrical release for a week or two before they hit the larger streaming service. Steven Spielberg's new film The Fablemans opens in New York and Los Angeles only which probably means a handful of theaters so we could see a very big per theater average for this film on next week's show. And then a couple of series that will be hitting streaming this week, Zootopia Plus on Disney Plus, following up from the hit movie from several years ago. And then the controversial season five of The Crown will be hitting Netflix midweek. So a lot of royalty, a lot of stuff happening this week on streaming and in theaters. What are you gonna be checking out? How do you think Black Panther Wakanda Forever is going to do? Let me know down in the comments below. Thank you to my sponsors, Mint Mobile thank you to my partners as always carbon health but most of all thank you for spending part of your week here with me i'll be back next week to break down everything about black panther wakanda forever i will also have my review here later in the week as of right now i'll be going to see it the first screening i can get on thursday which is three o'clock i think that's the first showing here so i'll have my review out shortly after that and then probably a spoiler review following that up and i'll always keep my ear to the ground for other news in the entertainment industry stuff i think you might be interested in talking about regardless of what i Decide to talk about. I'll be back very soon. Until then, stay safe and I'll see you next time. Bye.